What is the thing that we can all do to really support the growth and development of this child and raise their own belief in what's possible? The educational landscape has shifted. The social mobility is very segregated. Therefore, politically, the same thing is happening. The decisions you make around that child's education are of paramount importance. What can we do that would make educators' lives better? How do we make change that you can see in the classroom? They don't have summers off. They're not on a break. Most of the time that kids are not in school, teachers are still working. To impact our urban public schools, to impact the life of a child. We really wanted to elevate the profile of our city as well as elevate the opportunities that exist in education here. I'm Jen Maestas, and you're listening to Miss Education. Hey, today I'm sitting down with my very best friend, Scott Meltzer, all the way from Nashville. Thanks, Jen, so much for having me. I'm really excited for our conversation today. You're not as excited as I am. I promise <laughs> you. I promise you. We've been trying to do this for like, I don't know, a recent season one. Yeah, it's been uh, a couple months. It's really problematic that you live in Nashville, and I don't quite understand it, Scott um, Meltzer. I'm so sorry. I'm, <laughs> I have received a few phone calls and text messages over the past year and a half that I'm on layaway to Nashville. Exactly, exactly. So why don't you just give everybody a, a brief intro? Like, who are you? Why are we friends? <laughs> How did you get here today? <laughs> How did I get here today? Um, well, the kind of comical part uh, of getting here to the studio was got into um, a lift uh, from my hotel downtown, and uh, the driver asked, "Oh, where, where are you from?" And I said, "Nashville, Tennessee." And he's, and I'm going to a recording <laughs> studio, so immediately he thought I was in the music industry because um, that's so I Nashville. I love it. It's so Nashville. So you're gonna sing for us right off <laughs> oh, the top? Oh no, 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 no singing. <laughs> that would make all of your viewers run away uh, immediately. <laughs> but I, um, my family was originally from New York City. And my dad raised my brother and I um, just south of Nashville, Tennessee, and was you know raised by my dad. I'm the first person in my family to go to college, and awesome. I l- have learned that a quality public education um, really transforms the life of an individual, a family, and an entire community. And I knew um, in college, in particular, that I wanted to personally and professionally uh, be a part of the solution in. Uh, public education. And when I, m- I moved to San Antonio uh, shortly after undergrad um, at Center College in Danville, Kentucky. Uh, Shout out. <laughs> small liberal arts college. Uh, but when I, I moved here, I started my career in school and community relations and in, in, in public education and really uh, invested uh, time and wanted to gain valuable experience in supporting San Antonio Independent School District and was privileged uh, to do that as a community partner from uh, different perspectives. And that's how we met. Uh, yep. And I've always been, and forever will be one of your biggest fan guys. <laughs> and I am always a fan guy of Miseducation and listen to the podcast uh, from Nashville now and do tell the Nashville education community about the podcast because the topics are incredibly relevant um, to Nashville as another major um, urban um, city and also major urban school district. Uh, so it's it's a kind of a it's a win win. Um, it really is. I love that you were so helpful to me when I was um, still working full time in the school system because 
number one, I just, we're like kindred spirits. I love you. I just love you, like, as a person. Stop it. It's even <laughs> better that you're so invested in what happens at school and what happens in school, not just at school or mm. to school, but what's really happening in school. Mm. Um, so when, when I first met you, you were actually running for a school board, which I was. I was like, holy hell, you know, it's brave because most of our school board members, there's, they are definitely not in the same age group. They're not in the same demographic. They're not. So I was really like, wow, this is amazing. So I tell us a little bit about like, why did you ever decide to run for school board to begin with? Because I was crazy. You are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've learned from my my mentors since, I mean, high school, college, and then in San Antonio, that, you know, public public service, I think, in our in our country, um, has become something that only certain people do of certain backgrounds, certain professions. And one, I, I didn't believe that I, I didn't personally believe that. And I anytime I meet someone who tells me the 50 reasons why they shouldn't ever consider serving on a board or commission or running for office, I tried to reframe the conversation, show them here's all the the assets you would bring in experience, emotional intelligence, conflict resolution, all mm -hmm. the reasons why you should um, see yourself as um, a very, you know a viable person to run for office. But I, I decided to run for the school board because I thought from my pr professional experience uh, with San Antonio Independent School District and supporting it in different ways that I um, had a unique um, perspective and it was also directly connected um, to my my personal story being being raised by a single father and the first person I go to first person to go to family or first person to go to college excuse me mm -hmm. and so I saw that personal and professional connection um, and also I felt at the same time very grateful to have friends and mentors who said, you know, we're going to stand beside you. None of us had ever run for office ourselves or no one in right. our network, but, you know, let's let's figure this out um, and share your story, share your platform. And so I embarked on, on that journey with uh, some incredible friends um, and mentors. Besides the day I get married and the day my kids are born, <laughs> it will have been the most emotional and transformational experience of my life because you have to learn how to ask for money for yourself, not for a nonprofit that right. I typically work for. Uh, I, I enjoy educating people, inspiring them to, in, in this case, like to invest in, make a donation to an organization that was a valuable partner of San Antonio Independent School District. But it's a very different when you ask for money for, for you. you. Yeah. And for political office. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, how do you block, you know, how do you block walk? Um, or as I jokingly would say, like, we're not block walking, we're block dancing. That just sounds <laughs> way more fun. Uh, and really gets, you know, get, get, gets the spirit going. Uh, but it was um, an incredible journey. Um, I will never forget the day and the moment where I had friends and mentors who showed up to my house. Like, we're block walking on Saturday. Uh, the day that I interviewed with the San Antonio Express News for an, an endorsement yeah. uh, and never have sat in front of a, a major news publication and ask questions, share my story. Uh, and then to earn that in, endorsement was was such an incredible honor and I felt privileged. So you had a lot of encouragers, right? So 
were yes. there times where you came across people that were like, why are you doing this? Like legitimately yes. asking, not facetiously <sighs> like me. I know you're crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. I mean, during uh, when I was block walking, uh, these you know, were me- members of six different neighborhoods uh, in San Antonio Independent School District that wanted to genuinely get to know me and my my personal background, my professional background, and what what motivated me. And I, every single day during the campaign, I was motivated by it is a social and economic and a moral imperative that every student in San Antonio and across the country have access to the very best public education mm-hmm. and that everyone is an investor in public education. Yeah, for sure. In Texas, um, you pay property taxes, you're an investor in public education. It doesn't matter if you have children or don't have children, period, or in the school district. Right. You are investing in the future of, in this case, San Antonio. So you should care whether your investment has a return, yes. right? I mean, mm-hmm. you should care. That that You should wonder what am I getting for this money that I'm putting in? Even if you don't have children in the system, you're going to have an economic return because all of the children that we are turning out at the end of the 12th grade year are going to go somewhere in your community, yes. whether it's to college or entering the workforce. Like it's going to matter to you at some point. Yes. And and employers, um, not just in a city, but now in a region, like in a regional perspective, they want to partner with with school districts and other and nonprofits and other community stakeholders that want to increase the availability and the preparedness of our workforce and more so they are they are understanding post secondary in no matter if it's a technical college a community college or a four year university that's too late you right. now need to be partnering with your local high schools and discussing with them what are the job shadows the internships uh, co-teaching a class with the teacher for a topic so that the teacher can see how her or his uh, curriculum and instruction techniques are marrying with what the industry is looking for. And then students get to increase their the, the relevancy of the material. Yeah, and there's Those a are conversations path, you right? are, like, yeah. that are welcomed and, and needed right now. So I saw that running for the school, running for the school board is just one of many options on a menu that every single person, no matter it, what your professional or personal background is, you can and should be a part of the solution in public education because it's about the community you live in and it's about, you know, as as the one of the aspects of City Year is the, uh, the impact of the next seven generations. Right. And that's what I I saw from running for the board, the friends and mentors that joined me as well and, sure. and wanted other people to see that we need to be building a bigger table. Totally. So you mentioned City Year. So talk yes. a little bit about your connection to City Year mm-hmm. um, and what experiences you had while you were mm-hmm. with them. Uh, City Year is the reason why I moved to San Antonio. Um, it was... Well, what is City Year? Because <laughs> there might still be people... I know, I know it's a huge organization and it's pretty well known, mm-hmm. but I also know that there are many people who have not had a single interaction with that mm-hmm. organization. So just for those, in case they're listening, what is City Year? I'm trying not to use any, any education ease, as we <laughs> say, because in public ed, there can be a whole language that's in I itself. Know. Um, but City Year is a national uh, education nonprofit 
that recruits uh, recent college graduates to serve as full-time tutors, mentors, and role models uh, in public schools in 28 U.S. cities. Um, and I um, inter- and Cityer is a, a national um, AmeriCorps program, and it was a summer internship that allowed me to work on national service policy the Edward Kennedy Serve America Act that was passed um, in the early 2000s. And I learned about City Year, and I knew that was the mission-driven organization I wanted to be a part of. So I um, thought that my background um, in residence life in particular and in college, I volunteered at an after-school program for youth diagnosed with, with mental health issues. And so got an inside perspective into the after-school and in-school space for youth that um, have unique challenges and mm-hmm. how our schools um, you know, can support them. So I was looking at a few different cities and within probably the first six hours, I would say within San Antonio for an interview, <laughs> I was like, this is it. You knew this it. is home. Yeah. The people are incredibly friendly, engaging. I loved the culture here. It just reminded me... I mean, it reminded me of the South. Yeah. And I know that Texas is not the South. <laughs> Texas is Texas. Texas uh, is its own is, thing. Yes, it is. Yeah. The <laughs> South is Tennessee, North Carolina, yeah. South Carolina, et cetera. But it, the people reminded me a lot of the South and it just felt like home. Uh, and so I moved here and I was here for nine years before um, about a year and a half ago, I decided that I wanted to be closer to my dad and my brother who are still in middle Tennessee and moved mm-hmm. back. But um, city year with uh, my experience with them is I was a program manager supporting two of our Ameri- um, two teams of AmeriCorps members uh, and then was promoted to chief of staff and worked on our recruitment partnerships, both locally and um, across Texas fundraising mm-hmm. um, and was the right hand to the executive director. So tell us about the seven generation thing. So, Tell a little bit more about that. Yeah, so one of um, one of City Year's uh, values um, is about how all of us are our actions, and particularly public education, impacts the next seven generations. It's not the the work being done, no matter if you're a business who is uh, partnering with your um, neighborhood school to provide internships, or you are a lifelong um, career educator. This is life-changing work, and it impacts seven generations uh, within a community. Which is really kind of hard to wrap your brain around, right? Because how frequently do you think about seven generations at a time? It all, really, at the end of the day, it, it's about delayed gratification. I mean, when, when, when you talk about public education or workforce development in my, my current role in Nashville, right. it's not immediate no, return on takes, investment. Right. It takes, you know— a good 12 years to know what's mm-hmm. going to happen with any particular pre-K student today. So you're not going to, I think that's a really hard thing for other people to understand that it's not quick. It's not a quick thing that we're doing. It's a lifetime of an investment. It is. And, and we need you. Uh, we, we need you as individuals. We need your, your business or your church or your temple to, uh, you know, look at the the whole. Really, it's a talent pipeline from yeah. pre K all the way until they're in into the employer, and say this is the space that we want to invest our time, our talent, and and money. Um, this is where we right. want to own the space, um, or not own, but 
Well, but we want to contribute right yes. here. Yeah. So, so school board, you ran, and what happened? I mean, I already know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I lost. Uh, uh, I, I lost the school board race, and uh, that came with many lessons. Uh, many lessons learned on how do you, you know, run for office as an individual. You know, how block walking. I mean, there's so so many lessons learned. But at the end of the day, I would I. I didn't regret it at all. And I am forever indebted to the people who stood next to me um, throughout, no, no matter what happened during the school board ca campaign, like mm -hmm. a low day, a high day. Um, and that has, I mean, provided me the opportunity that if someone is interested in running for office, like here are some of the lessons learned as someone who you know, as the cliche saying goes, building the plane while flying it with with great people. <laughs> yes, yes. And it didn't deter you in any way because right after that, I moved to a new elementary school. Yes. And um, you were like, Jen, we can do really cool things together, mm -hmm. which I believed and we did. Yes. Um, and so you joined the campus leadership team. I did. And you helped me really think through an experience for people, right? Mm -hmm. When we called it that, we called it the JT Brackenridge experience. Yes. <laughs> and um, we thoughtfully sat down and designed what we thought would be most impactful for people to see and hear um, when it came to like ways that they could support a school. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, I know how I can support a school. I'll send school supplies or I will um, just send... I don't know, lunch for teachers, mm -hmm. um, which, yes, do those, those things. things. Don't stop doing those things. Um, but there are other ways that are more long-lasting. And sometimes the motivation comes when you've actually been in the building and you've actually seen what we see. Yes. Then you kind of understand, have a different, a unique perspective on what the actual needs of a campus are. And they're so different from campus to campus, right? Absolutely. Like it's... Uh, yes. It, there's not like... Spiral notebooks are not going to solve everything for everyone. But there are places where... Those are really important, and you Those should basic do that. Are not, are not being right, met. exactly. But it's not that way everywhere. Yeah. What you want to talk about? Our experience. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, it was. I mean, after the school board, uh, you know, race concluded. I, I mean, I was as very clear to all of my supporters, no matter if they invested time or money. Of, I'm not going anywhere. I still want to be a part of the solution. And I hope you will, I hope, you know, your time and investment from this, pro this, you know, uh, experience of, of helping me run for office just inspired you more to be involved with San Antonio Independent School District. Um, and more so from the fact that you only know what you know in right. life, no matter if we're talking about a bit, you know, a You're business exactly decision, right. a personal, yeah. you know, any kind of decision. And that, Everyone has an opinion in public education. If I had a dime for every single time someone I'm drinking gave, more wine now. <laughs> <laughs> I will sip with you on that. <laughs> every single time someone shared their opinion on public education, I take that as an opportunity to find out if they are if they are plugged in um, in in mm -hmm. some in some way. Uh, maybe a nonprofit, maybe their tutor at the school, like through right. the school district. But it, if you, you know, you have you, everyone should have um, an opinion. But I think it's a matter of have have you been to your neighborhood public school and walked with a teacher or a principal or assistant principal and learned about what are the unique 
um, challenges and success stories. I yes. think that is a huge part yeah. uh, in public ed is what is ha- what is happening in our schools is is life changing, and that oftentimes it is something negative that's happening that is getting Broadcast. the attention and the yeah. narrative of the community. Right. But so much is happening every day that is like, holy crap, that oh, yes. just happened. Yes. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's and, amazing. And so I, I asked people, like, when when was the last time that you visited your neighborhood school? What and, was the most common response? I didn't know that I could do that. And so I I share with them, you can call the school and, yeah. in, you know, introduce yourself um, to the, you know, the staff member, tell them, you know, I, I live in the, the neighborhood um, and I would, I just want to learn what are the needs of your students? What are the needs of your educators, your school counselors? Mm-hmm. How can I help my neighborhood school? Period. And, and wait and see what they say. And have a conversation. Yeah. But walk the halls. And then you ha- now have the perspective. You have the insight to maybe maybe your opinion has not changed. Maybe your opinion has shifted. But at the end of the day, you're now at the table. And in this case with SAISD, helping 53,000 students right. achieve their full potential in your in the way that is aligned with one of their needs and it is meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I saw with JT is we could, at JT Brackenridge, we could do that by creating a menu of options for an individual or a business right. or a religious organization to help the, help have a direct impact on helping students in that school after they've yeah. learned about right. and then thinking through the needs like, of our students. You can you have human capital that you can offer. You can you have time. You have financial capital. You have um, just moral support. Sometimes our students just need somebody that they can talk to, and sometimes our teachers do. Yes. Sometimes our teachers are the people that need the outside connection. You know, they need to they need to be still connected to the real world in some way. Yes. Um, and I know that you stepped into classrooms many times, and you were that for not just the students, but also for the teacher, for the teacher to say like, can you believe, can you see, did you know, um, help me celebrate this about this student? Yes. Right? I, I mean, our, our our teachers and our school counselors make every career happen. Yes, we do. I think that if I could, you know, summarize like our conversation today is two things. One is that that's just a fact. Our teachers, our school counselors, and, and anyone that is in public education as their career is making every other career happen. Because anyone that you that you have in your network or your circle that is a, a doctor, an electrician, a plumber, an architect, they are where they are at because of the teacher, the school counselor, and the mentors and role models in their life. Right. Um, and the second is that if you think you don't have a place, a place in public education, I humbly say you're wrong you're and mistaken. you do. And it, it all it, it takes is ask, how how can you help? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you had this experience with mm-hmm. City Year, experience running a school board, experience um, on a campus leadership team, yeah. and simultaneously, you had experience in the nonprofit sector, yes. right? So tell talk a little bit about... What was happening while all of the education stuff was going mm-hmm. on? You were still working. Well, you also worked for Key Ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I, I had um, an incredible ex- time um, working for for Key Ideas, an Emmy winning storytelling firm. Um, and 
that only that was a huge skills acquisition opportunity for me because I will forever believe it is the narrative of public education yep. that either inspires someone or do, or or doesn't right. to move from being passive to being a promoter. And when you're a promoter, you are you're not just vocal, but you are using your time um, and your talent to support students. Uh, so, uh, you know, some people, they, uh, you know, they, they're like, you worked for an Emmy winning storytelling firm <laughs> after being a f- like fundraising, right? you worked for a funder. And I would say it, it was neat. It was very much needed because I knew that I, I love working with nonprofits and helping them to powerfully share their story to inspire mm-hmm. current or future donors. But just as much we need powerful storytellers in public education. Totally. So I, that I, we celebrate those wins and tell people how yeah, they can help. And I feel like when I first started, I had like this really linear mm-hmm. pers- perception of what my career would look like. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was, I wanted to be a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. I started teaching and I figured I would teach until I was done teaching. And then there was this track that I was going to be on where I leave the classroom. Mm-hmm. I joined the school leader ranks. I become an administrator. And after that, if I wanted to keep doing, pursuing my own professional ambition, then mm-hmm. I would maybe become a district personnel person, mm-hmm. right? Like do something in curriculum and instruction or um, lead principals on a, a from the district level. And then after that, it's like the next thing is to become a superintendent. So yep. it's like super linear. And now I'm realizing um, that it doesn't really have to be so linear. You can impact and you can care passionately for education yes. from lots of different Places like wherever you are, you can pursue that passion and impact it, even if you're working for a storytelling firm. I mean, yes. because to your point, it is the narrative that that matters sometimes the most. I mean, people really believe whatever they hear. I think they so do. If they I, they if, do. If all they hear is the bad I, stuff, then we must be bad. Yes. Yeah. So, no, yes, because then that becomes what they tell their friends, they tell their family is what what was read. People want to be informed. Yes. And so how do people become informed? They turn to the people that are in their circle, the people they trust, but they read the media. They read the newspaper or an online publication. I, it's why I, I, I believe the two most powerful people in any city are realtors <laughs> yes. and the media. Mm-hmm. Because with realtors, they are the first ambassadors to the city, especially if, they, if you know, you're moving to the city. So I, that sets a tone immediately on what, you know, what is right. the public education landscape. Which is also the first thing people ask when they're moving. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you are single or married right. or divorced or widowed that... People want to know what's happening in their community that they will be moving into. And that is direct, that's directly connected to, well, what, what's happening in my neighborhood schools? Um, so the, the, I forever will believe realtors are, are incredibly powerful. And why I would, I encourage any school district when it comes to looking at um, meaningful community partnerships, talk with. Uh, the real estate companies or the real estate council in that city so that the narrative is correct. Mm-hmm. And 
it is it's it's correct and it's accurately reflected to people who want to move to that uh, move to the city. Second most powerful is the media. They it, because again people want to be informed and they're totally. going to consume information. Are they covering uh, the architecture, construction, engineering mentor scholarship winner? Right. To the same degree as a fight broke out at right. the school or something involving personnel. Like is there is there a balance of celebrating the win and the challenge or mm-hmm. um or budget? That's usually when it's budget planning or yeah. um or you know school boards making decision. That's uh, usually a really big um, spotlight. So are you, are you covering both, you know, this is a, a win and we want, like, how can, you know, people thinking, how can I help more students be like that architecture, mm-hmm. construction, engineering, yeah. mentor, scholarship winner, as much as, wow, I didn't know that this is, you know, a multi-million dollar enterprise and we are still funding schools the same way as we did in the 80s. <laughs> Which um, is really kind <laughs> of crazy. Um, and that, that I now understand, like, I want to learn about the the process. I want to understand what my school board member um, has to go through in, in understanding the budget, her himself, um, and, ha- and the ramifications of when they officially pass that budget. Totally. And... I think all of those questions are the right questions to ask, even if you are a teacher, because I think mm-hmm. that even teachers lose track of like all of those, the mm-hmm. answers to all those questions because we're busy doing the teaching. Yes. And so sometimes you're doing your thing and you have no idea, you've lost touch with like all the other things mm-hmm. that are happening in the city. Um, and I, I do feel like we have to stay in touch with all of that too, so that we can be ambassadors of wherever we are and whatever we're doing and mm-hmm. all of our success stories. Otherwise, it's just cyclical and all of yes. the misinformation or all of the negative press, it just sort of circles around and around and mm-hmm. around and around because we're all busy. We don't have time to go back and correct yes. whatever it was that was just said. Yeah, when I, I mean, when I... Uh, one of the many lessons I learned when I was a, a chief of uh, the chief of staff of city year is I would think to myself, what is someone waking up every day thinking about? Because there's only so much RAM <laughs> in the brain and you and people wake up and they they have personal obligations, they have family obligations, professional responsibilities and keep uh, key performance yeah. goals they have to meet. So it is very it is. Completely understandable when anyone would ever say to me, Scott, like, I have so much going on. That I can't even. I can't even. Right. And completely um, completely understand. Um, It's seeing, like, where, where does this, well, one, are, is your... Is your passion public education? Every topic needs a champion. So (laughs) if you're, if you want to be a champion of environmental sustainability, Go do it. Learn how you yes. can be a part of the solution from a range of different options. But if you're not sure or you want to move from talking about public education to actually putting some kind of action, um, seeing where that that fits in to your other responsibilities that you, you have. But at the end of the day, you are now added to the bench of people that we need um, to help students succeed. So do you feel like now you're not in San Antonio, you're in Asheville. I am. So you are still, and you're not, you're not necessarily at a campus. You're not working in mm. an ISD. You're Correct. not part of a charter organization. So what, mm. what's your current, like, what do you, what's the work you do? Uh, so I'm the manager of education and workforce partnerships at the Nashville area chamber of commerce. 
uh, myself and my my team, um, I'm part of the talent development team at the chamber. Uh, we wake up every single day helping our regional employers uh, better access our, our local workforce by facilitating different talent supply solutions. Uh, for example, um, in Nashville, we have one school district, Metro Nashville Public Schools, and there are 12 high schools. So wait, Pause. say it again. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee <laughs> has, has one, one school, district, school district, and we are all we also are a consolidated city and county government. So we are. It's not just Nashville. It is we are Metro Nashville, Davidson County. Um, so I'll share like school side. Uh, we you know we are one school district. It is very. It's a large school district and very spread out because it goes through the whole county, and then on the just city side, city um, government, I should say, uh, we have a mayor Mm -hmm. um, and we have 40 council members and five of them are at large. So as a consolidated city and county government, when I moved to Nashville, you know, I'm trying to, I'm learning the public education landscape. I'm learning, you know, Nashville um, is about the region. We talk about regional economic Mm -hmm. development. We talk about regional education. So I'm, you know, very quickly trying to learn everything there is um, so that I can just speak and, you know, speak intelligently. So that's really different from San Antonio because San Antonio has 17. I mean, Bear County has 17 school districts. Yes. They're all large uh, operators, right? I mean, they have multiple schools in them. Mm Um, so in terms of pros and cons, like what, what could you say about the difference between having 17 school districts mm-hmm. and having one school district? Um, I, I have, I guess my perspective, especially in the role I'm in right now would be, um, seeing the advantage from, you know, a regional employer. So if I'm, um, here's the best way I could share this. So the academies of Nashville are wall to wall career academies. So all 12 high schools are the academies of Nashville. The only way you don't go through these industry-driven high schools is if you're in a charter school or in a magnet school. So, so. your academies, they don't necessarily have feeder patterns then because you're going to elect which industry. Yes. So right? in one high school, there are multiple academies in different career class in a career um, kind of cluster. Uh-huh. So every all 85,000 students, unless you're going to a charter school or um, or a magnet school, are going through these industry driven high schools. And they are completely powered by more than 200 business partners. Um, so in the ninth grade year, every single freshman um, is in the freshman academy, and they take um, what has become really a nationally recognized career assessment called U Science. U Science looks at the students' aptitude and their interest. So it's really powerful when I'm sitting down with a large employer, and you know one of their questions is, okay, so where's all the talent, Scott, in the high school space? Well, I could show them in these high schools, in these, you know, in the, let's say in the IT academy, mm-hmm. we see that um, the students broken down by, um, even by like gender, for example, we could look at, uh, there's a really high aptitude in X, but their interest is really low. So what that tells us is the students have the potential. They are demonstrating that in their skill set, yeah. even the ninth grade, but their interest is low because they don't know about you all. Yeah. They don't know that this is like the... That it's even an option. This is an option. Right. And then on top of that, see themselves in you as a future colleague. So ninth grade year, use their U science assessment, which helps them identify which academy they'll go into. 
10th grade year, it, um, all students go on industry field trips. So they get kind of a slice of life of what it would be to work at Bridgestone America's North American headquarters, what it would look like to work for Assurian, which provides mm -hmm. all of the, the insurance on our cell phones um, and other, um, or maybe other, com um, other companies. And our 200 business partners are everything from someone who's a company of five people to companies of 50,000 plus. So for a business perspective, everyone can be involved. It doesn't matter how right. big you are. Um, the 11th grade year, students go through a job, um, have job shadows. So that's more of about a half day or a full day of school. And students are partnered with a professional. And, and that's happening at all 12 high schools? All 12 high schools. And then 12th grade year, every senior works on a capstone project. And they can um, earn an industry-recognized certification and there's more than 30 of them that we that we offer and the district pays for those industry certs so we have the uh, seniors um this year i know it was more than uh, i believe it was more than 700 of them earn will be earning a high school diploma and an industry certification in that field that they're um, going into which means that when they do go to college even if they are paying for some of their school they're also able to work in a an industry specific job while yes. they're getting, while they're attaining their degree, yes. right? I mean, that's the benefit of having an industry certification. certification. Yes. And then uh, then this is like, while all these work, these work-based learning um, components are happening at 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th, every single sub core class, math, science, English, um, social studies is being taught through the lens of that industry. So from a teacher perspective, the academies is always looking at what are the what are teacher externship opportunities that our employer partners can work with teachers um, to ensure that they are talking about let's say a real problem the company right. is working on or a new product that they are in the design process and the students are learning about that as through the through the you know the as state curriculum happening. as it's happening yeah um, that's cool so it's yeah that, so it is a really powerful how long has it been room. like that. Uh, the academies were formed um, in the early 2000s, um, and it was full redesign. Um, the four partners that are the founding partners of the academies are Metro Nashville Public Schools, uh, the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce, Alignment Nashville, which is a collective impact um, organization that's focused on the education and youth development space, and then a nonprofit called Pencil. And any city who wants to replicate the academies when they we've hosted more than 5000 business and education leaders from across the United States and two countries, we always tell them, if you want to replicate the academies, you have to have a pencil, um, which their responsibility is to recruit and manage these more than 300 business partnerships to make sure that it's when we're celebrating wins. If we have a challenge, we come right. to the table, we figure it out. But Pencil wakes up every day thinking about the business, yeah, the business the relationship. And we've had mm -hmm. businesses who have been partners of the academies um, since its inception mm -hmm. um, because they have a dedicated partnership manager who's waking up every day and making sure that that relationship is strong. So in my head, I'm thinking like, I'm wondering, I wonder if it's one of the pros of being one school district is when there is a challenge in the school district, there's not a real opportunity to say, well, I'm done here. Let me go somewhere else. It's kind of everybody's sticking it out for each other, right? I mean, because it's not without challenge. Correct. Even Nashville. Yes. It's not without challenge. 
but you don't necessarily have partnerships that are are trying to figure out where the best place to be is. There's this is the place to be. Yes. So in my mind, I'm thinking that's a huge benefit to having one school district. Structure like from Fr- the perspective of the the business, it right. allows them to wrap their head around the the, the structure, am. like the hierarchy, the um, relationship management kind of perspective as a, you know, wanting to be a long-term partner mm-hmm. with that one school district. And we can then make the ask to deepen their engagement. So if, for example, let's yeah. say they are really invested in field trips, maybe after two years, because they're really motivated, they're seeing, they're seeing the the light bulbs going on with students. Right. Like, wait, I can, I can be an architect or I can be right. an electrician. And this is my, like, this, this is who is I could pathway. come work for. Uh-huh. Then pencil can make the ask would you consider now tutoring students on their industry certification because we know that if a student has a consistent tutor helping Mm -hmm. them earn that industry cert that you are saying that you need as an employer they have a significant chance greater to pass that exam so my second wondering is like what if you change your mind I went to business careers high school, yes. but I didn't really do anything business related. I became an educator. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, I didn't pursue a business degree. I pursued an education degree. So mm-hmm. when you're a student, from a student and parent perspective, like how do you navigate, this is what I think I want to do right now. Yes. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know in mm-hmm. four years if this is what I want to do. So the, the youth science assessment really helps students see like what are their, what are their strengths and what are the different careers that look for people with that those um, those skills. I, I think very smart decisions when the academies were built is there's multiple academies within the high school. So it allows for that opportunity where a student could be in the business and information technology academy at X high school. But then but they maybe their, learn. Like, they, I actually don't like this. I actually don't like this. Um, but... I know that I have transferable skills that would be better aligned with another career. And it happens to be there are four other academies. So they could experience those and still stay on track for graduation. Um, So it allows for students to still have an opportunity to move into a different academy. And that, I mean, allows us to not just have like to say that, you know, after ninth grade year, you're locked in. Right. Like that would be my that's, worry. Yeah. That, yeah like, that, and that doesn't, and like, that's oh, not. Oh, crap. I hate this. Mm-hmm, yep. like, now what am I going to do? You can Let's still. Just start over somewhere. Yeah. You, you still stay on track for graduation if you, if a student, you know, sees that this is not, make, this is not making me happy. This mm-hmm. is not getting me like um, excited to learn more about the profession, more excited if you're a 10th grader, you know, on field trips and you're seeing that next is up as job mm-hmm. shadows. So there is that, op- there's still some flexibility in the early years. So in move. terms of like your, your teaching staff, are they industry, are they coming from industry or are they like generally certified teachers? It's a blend. Uh, so we have teachers in the academies who um, are coming from industry uh, and are, this is kind of their second career. Mm-hmm. Um, we have some that have been in uh, the industry for 30 years, and this is where they want to, they want to retire. Yeah. Um, we also have teachers who went through um, a university's, you know, the traditional teacher prep program, but then when they become, these are career and technology education teachers, Yeah. Um, they are going through teacher externships during the summer where they're 
visiting with and um, and sitting down with our regional employers to show them like here are the competencies that I'm going to be working on with my students. Can you help me put some some flair of your industry or your right. your kind of your workflow into it? So uh, who designs the externship? How do they find an externship? So those are uh, Metro Nashville Public Schools. Uh, there's the Office of the Academies. Um, mm. They are the ones who share that those teacher externship opportunities um, with their CTE teachers. Each high school has what we call is an academy coach. And that person wakes up every single day thinking about how do they better support their their career and technology education teachers? Um, so an opportunity like a teacher externship would be presented, mm-hmm. and they are the f- the face of um, their business partnerships. So that academy coach is really the they are the director of community affairs for their <laughs> high school. Yeah, um, and it is it is their that's their, focus. their job. Like and that's what they're doing mm-hmm. every day. So the teacher knows who who to lean on for, you know, business partners, support in their classroom, um, but also opportunities that are professional development, as, you know, externship is. uh, But how do I learn about um, Mm -hmm. those opportunities? Do you know if that's happening already in San Antonio? Or is that one of those things where you think like, okay, if I ever come back to San Antonio, like this is something I think we could bring I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's happening or not. I mean, I have been, um, I, I remember when Cast Tech High School was just being designed. I mean, it was, we, it was on paper and yeah. that, that whole, like the research was going on of other school models. Um, cause it's full like school redesign, right? It's not school. It's not reform. We are redesigning the high school experience. And so I, I've been following Cast from afar, um, because I think it is, it, it's bring it brings more people but it also brings the business it brings the business community to the, to the table yeah it's um, definitely a different kind of community i mean um industry partnership mm-hmm. than has existed traditionally in at least my experience mm-hmm. no one has a crystal ball in life <laughs> so i don't know what will happen uh in terms of the wood um you know in terms of leaving nashville you know leaving nashville because yeah. it is um it is my home um yeah. it's i'm not gonna lie it's pretty humbling to wake up every single day to be doing workforce development in my home community and the place that built my identity right. for this this very conversation we're happening yeah. we're having but at the end of the day San Antonio was is and always will be my other home yes um and so I will always be a frequent visitor <laughs> I I love I'm talking cry <laughs> into my no, no wine tears, now. No tears. Uh, <laughs> but it's also I've um, what the work, so kind of outside of the academies of Nashville, as that is a talent supply solution that we help yeah. facilitate, but we also in, in Tennessee have Tennessee promise. And I was elated when I heard the news that Alamo promise is moving forward. Um, because Tennessee, um, became one of the first States in the country to invest in a technical certificate or associate degree for every single high school graduate. Yeah, and this that's was, a big deal. This was... I mean, that is yeah. like... Oh, yes. It is It is, I, it is a yeah. game changer for, I mean, on a moral level, yes. social and economic. Um, and it was um, it was a really big feat to do, to do that, um, not only as like a state, but also 
I mean, politically, that had to go through our House and our Senate right. and our governor. Um, but it was it it brought people together because at the end of the day, it's about the future of of the state. And um, there's a really great article that I read um, and have shared with people in San Antonio um, called "The Red State That Loves Free College," and it does a, a really nice job of explaining. It's all about framing, right? It's is, the storytelling. It's, it's the storytelling. Exactly what we just said. Yes. yes. And yes. so I, I I have found that to be um, a really great article for people that are interested of like how did did Tennessee you know how did Tennessee um, become one of the first states to do this and then um, a few years ago um, our just past governor Bill Haslam said like let's let's continue our work to. Um, uh, move what's called drive to 55, where 55% of Tennesseans have a post-secondary degree. Uh, I said, let's, and why not invest mm-hmm. in a technical certificate or associate degree for every adult to either go back to school to finish their degree or to start their degree? And so we, I, I've seen a, you know, in just a year and a half, the conversation of college is technical certificate where you're going to be um, going th- going vocationally to vocationally trained. Okay, yeah, you're going yeah. to the Tennessee College of Applied right. Technology. Right. And after that technical certificate, you're going to be, you know, you're maybe going through their welding program mm-hmm. or their um, licensed practicing nurse program. Right. And you're then earning a great salary and benefits and a very high need, uh, in a high need industry. Um, and that's accessible for a high school graduate to their parent or guardian. And so that's it, crazy. Yes. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, when I learned that Alamo Promise was being designed, I was reading the articles in the Rivard Report. Yes, I still <laughs> I still read the Rivard Report um, and keep track of what's happening here in San Antonio. Um, I was really excited um, to see that being replicated on a city level. You know, I'll put it out there. I hope the state of Texas makes Texas promise. I mean, can um, you imagine ha- how many, what what impact that would have in terms of just sheer numbers in the state of Texas? Yes. Like that's, Oh, yeah. yes. And so kind of to the, you know, your, your question about the other, kind of the other work. So outside of the academies, this Tennessee Promise, Tennessee Reconnect that's being done, uh, we know that um, in Metro Nashville Public Schools, 40% of graduates go to Nashville State Community College as their first what we call mm-hmm. stackable credential. When right. you go to college, which college is, again, the tra- the technical school, the community college of the four-year, right. that associate degree or technical certificate from Nashville State is just your first stop. So if 40% of our students are going there, how do I, 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 I help facilitate those um, long-term partnerships between a regional employer and Nashville State so that if they are, they're plugged into the academies, right. They're then going to really follow almost 50% of yeah. those graduates to Nashville State and um, be able to then use, let's say the company has tuition reimbursement. They could use their tuition reimbursement to pursue their bachelor's degree and they're still staying with the company. Um, so it's that talent pipeline you know, development. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's very, it's obtainable um, if people, you know, when you have... Why political do you think will, it, it's I was just financial say, like, will. Why do you think it's taken so long? This sounds like it's so attainable and worthy. Mm-hmm. So why is it not just happening everywhere? Like, what do you think the hangups are? I mean, from reading the, the Politico article, uh, I mean, this wasn't, 
and I was not there in Tennessee during this process. I was reading it from afar through mm-hmm. the Tennessean, um, listening um, to article or uh, listening to stories through Nashville Public Radio about it. So I can't speak from that context, but from reading, you know, where um, news publications that are covering Tennessee Reconnect and Tennessee Promise afterwards, um, it, this wasn't a, a values conversation. Right. This wasn't. Democrat. This wasn't Republican. This wasn't any label that you know. You know, if, uh, people want to put out there. This was about for the sake of the the economic prosperity and the vibrancy of Tennessee and Tennesseans. We need to be investing in a post secondary credential that sets people up for success to move into um, a high demand and and valuable career as well. That's well paid. Right. Um, and that's their first stop. You, you know, this is a ra- this is an on ramp or an, an off ramp. So they're getting they're they're getting on the ramp um, when they're they're working, and they may step off and or they may right. they may straddle the ramp. They may be working and going to school full time. Yeah, exactly. But how do we do that um, statewide? So it's it's a real. It wasn't about an opinion, or it was about it was really about we need to be making this kind of investment in order for empl- our our current employers in Tennessee to stay here and not be poached by another state. Right. We need all Tennesseans to have access um, more so to post-secondary. We know that 65% of our jobs nationwide by 2025 are going to require some kind of right. po- uh, post-graduate yeah. credential. So the... The demand, the need was there. It was now, how do we frame it? How do we frame that narrative to work to go through the House, the Senate, the governor, um, and have full, you know, uh, buy-in? Uh, now it's a matter of making sure every employer knows that it, this is if this is aligned with your education mm-hmm. needs. Um, yeah, and that it exists. It, right? Yes, like to just you can partner with you your can local do this. colleges. This exists now, mm-hmm. uh, and that's. That has made it, um, I think, a really exciting conversation when I sit down with an employer and learn about their education needs, their competencies, employability skills. Um, and what I, have you learned, do you feel like, that like, has been the most, like, the biggest takeaway from sitting down with all the employers that you get to talk to? Um, like, what's the thing that they're like, Scott, if only we had? I've learned that. It's not, uh, you know, we, we can, the conversation definitely should be about like still technical skills. So how, in order to increase the availability and the preparedness of our workforce, we, we have to talk about curriculum alignment. So right. five employers who for all intents and purposes are competitors having the same, speaking the same language about yeah. what are the, the requirements they have in skills to then talking with post-secondary and then our and high schools, right? Yes, like, yeah. Really building a talent supply chain from mm-hmm. education to employer. We have to speak from the same voice because so you... how do you get five competitors to admit like this is re- what we're all looking for? So in um, in Nashville, um, uh, one of the other talent supply solutions uh, that I I work with our members on is it's called Talent Pipeline Management. Uh, this is um, a, a program of the of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And these are employer-led collaboratives of, of companies that use a supply chain 
management framework um, to align their needs with employers. So what this looks like is employers identify um, the first four critical positions. So for example, um, in health and patient care, we have the HR executives from the four largest regional employers in the Nashville area. In our first meeting, we decided what are those four critical positions that are tied to all of us. Right. We immediately start, we build trust. We know that we right. can no longer just poach yeah. talent from each other. Right, exactly. Doesn't increase availability, doesn't increase the preparedness. We need to identify what are the four. Where Once you identify the four, then you start working backwards. Um, looking at what are our needs, um, incompetencies, um, employability skills. Mm -hmm. So by the end of this, the talent pipeline management process, we will have, we will know um, which academies in the academies of Nashville connected to which post-secondary institution. It could be a four-year school. It could be a community college. Then go to the employers. So these four employers are then going to start working with post-secondary and then the academies to align curriculum, align the employability skills. So when we Which talk- Which makes so much sense. Yes. So it's it starts with employers have to be on the same page because right now it's one-off partnership. Right. Well, employer exactly. tries to make partnership with right. X university yes. or X community college. That doesn't, um, that doesn't solve the challenge of availability and preparedness going up on both fronts. So they will, it, it's, it is all about speaking as a collective. Um, and that's what I always- when I and I facilitate five of these talent solution councils, so we're doing talent pipeline management in health and patient care, information technology, uh, construction, advanced manufacturing, and culinary hospitality. These are our five high one five of our high growth sectors in the region. Um, these are all HR executives. Yeah, and they sometimes will turn to me, and I've said, "Nope, this is an <laughs> employer led collaborative." I put I put this question back on you all. Mm -hmm. You tell, you need to be, if we're talking about a competency, is that what you all four need? And if it's not, what, what are what we really is? trying to say? Yeah. What, what is? Uh -huh. um, so one of the biggest lessons learned from this is our large regional employers, they, they want to be engaged in this collective space because they want to source, they want to hire local talent and just poaching from each other and doing one-off partnerships. Right? It doesn't work, right? Because then everybody's always... It doesn't work. Yeah. The other lesson learned is our conversation is a lot about human skills, emotional intelligence, conflict resolution, mm -hmm. uh, dependability. All the things we call hidden curriculum in school, right? Like yes. these are not necessarily things you're going to get tested on about mm -hmm. your state assessment, but these are the things you need to be successful in life. If you yes. don't have them... You're not going to experience much success. And even if you did, it wouldn't be for long. Yes. So our as part of the talent pipeline management work, um, you know, it, it, we are identifying those, em, quote, you know, those employability skills. Uh -huh. We'll be working with our post-secondary partners um, and the academies of Nashville. Of how do we how do we how do we work with the educators to embed that into the classroom? That's another work based learning opportunity for our employers. Yeah, exactly. Because they're not these employers are not just saying Here's what we need. Go. It's we want to work with you to understand how can we help you knock down any barrier you're having right. to teaching these employability skills, these technical skills we need. They're at the table. And it's it's really exciting. We're just starting on this work. But other major U.S. cities have been doing tile and pipeline management mm -hmm. for many years. And some states, um, such as in Kentucky and Michigan, talent pipeline management is the norm. 
this is what they, this is how this they, this is how it's done. This is how it's done to create better alignment between our K through 12, our post-secondary and, and our employers. So my last like big picture thing, my, my other idea is that I feel like people, when you think about teaching and you think about leading schools, that it's not the first reaction is to think through like, oh, we're actually building in future employees. Oh, we're actually needing to go to the employer and mm-hmm. backtrack, backfill all those skills that are going to be needed 15 years mm-hmm. from now, you know, or that we're having these really deep conversations mm-hmm. with industry partners. Like, I don't think that's the first thing people think of when they think, when you say, oh, I teach 10th grade. It's not the first thing people think of. It's like, Mm -hmm. wow, you have a heavy lift on your hands of thinking through, like, we're going to supply the next generation Mm -hmm. of the workforce of our economy. And so, you know, the theme of this season of of miseducation has been um, kind of a a running joke of like, it's not like it's brain surgery. And our point is like, actually, it is, it is, it is like this is what teaching is about. It's not just showing up at eight in the morning and leaving at four or five even or seven or whatever. It's about thinking through, like I'm building, we're city builders and we're nation builders and we're workforce builders and we are the sustainability of your economy Mm -hmm. and we're building the next generation of everything. And if you think that that's easy work, we love you. We love you. But no. Like but it's it's not it's not and it's it it takes an immense amount of thought and it takes an immense amount of planning and negotiating and conversations and those things are not always easy things to accomplish it's not it you have to have delayed gratification you have to be flexible because the needs of students the needs of teachers to be successful are going to change um and it's why I mean, again, another lesson learned so far in my time in Nashville is you you have to, it's all about, you can have expectations and you should. Who wants to overpromise and deliver? No one Nobody. wants to do that. No one wants to do that. Teachers don't want to do that. Nobody. A, or a school district and empl- you know, an employer partner doesn't want to do that. But you have to also realize that you know, these uh, public education and society doesn't happen in a vacuum. And we're yeah, working with exactly. people. Who yes. have attitudes and beliefs <laughs> and personalities um, and experiences, and that you have to be flex, you know, flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an important part of the process of if you're going to partner with, you know, the academies of Nashville or totally. a post secondary institution is, you know, talk about what your goals are and like answering the question, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Yeah, but also you. You just have to be ready to be adaptable. Be adaptable, and if you have a challenge, do not keep it inside you, or go talk to your peers about, or go talk to people. If you have a challenge with a partner, ask for a meeting and just talk it out. Yes. Um, but we all, everyone has, you know, it is a talent pipeline from pre-K to workforce. Everyone is part of that pipeline. It doesn't matter if you, again, as we said, you have kids, you don't have kids. You can you can help a student be successful. Um, or you're a teacher and you're waking up every single day of how do I help, you know, 30, many cases more, of my students who have different physical, mental, emotional needs and, and different learning styles be successful. Right. It doesn't matter where you fit or your school exactly. counselor thinking, how do I help how do I this student? How do I navigate all these little things? Navigate are, to post-secondary yes. and help a student who is experiencing trauma. Right. And, you know, 
and, or an, another student who is need, you know doesn't have basic needs being met. And I'm trying to help her, his family. Like all of these people are in the talent pipeline um, to ultimately help students. And rightly so, they should be experts. Yes. Um, but we also should provide opportunities for where um, people who are waking up every day, getting things done for students in their respective place in the talent pipeline can see what the next partner if that's post-secondary or the next partner, maybe that's the employer, is working on so that they're able to really, from that that person's point of view, they can actually vision, vision cast. They can tell right. that student or in that group of students, here's what's coming up next. Yeah, totally. And it's so important, right? Because once the vision's been cast, then the student is fully engaged. And yes. then they're like, oh, this is, I can do this. Oh, yes. Not only can I do it, I really want to do this. I, I freely admit to anyone that this is complex. It's so complicated. And it's, multi, and it's multifaceted work. But at the end of the day, everyone can and should be invested in helping students and schools be successful. Amen. Yes. And that's why, that's why. And- I said, Scott, you have to finish out the season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel incredibly honored. Like, this is it. This is season two. I, I incredibly, uh, yes, I, I just can't believe that this is our, you know, the last um, episode for season two. So mazel tov. Yes, on another, cheers. another successful. Everybody, yes. wine glasses clinking. Yes. We are her. Yeah, I'm yeah. super excited that you came all the way to San Antonio. I will be back uh Again and again, because it's it's always my 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 forever home. Um, and I hope that you know our our conversation today inspired more people to see that there's a menu of options and to ask their neighborhood school or ask their neighborhood school district, how can I help? No and matter what, no, like, no matter what va- you right. know, vantage point they're from, how can I help? Because it is. It's an imperative all around for the future of individuals and families and San Antonio. For the next seven generations, guys. For, yes, for the next seven generations. And I look forward to um, staying tuned to the the work that's you know being done here. Um, it will always, like I said, be, be my home. And I hope more people uh, listen to miseducation because of the breadth of stakeholders that you've had on the show. And it's, it's a conversation. It really is. Like, I geek out about it. So, yeah, thank I mean, you. I've obviously I mean, gotten really I, fired up about this like, whole conversation. I really, really geek out about it. And <laughs> I, um, I'm lucky. I'm just like, I feel very lucky and privileged to know cool people like you that want to sit down and have a glass of wine and just sort of spill their guts about their experience with school, um, whatever that experience may be. And oh, yeah. sometimes it's experience from the classroom and sometimes it's experience from a nonprofit and sometimes mm-hmm. it's experience leading a school. But all of the time it is um, my, it's to my benefit that I get to sit and listen to other people talk about how they love the yeah. work that's being done around it's, education. It, I feel like it sharpens me. So I, I always learn from you, Scott, always, and every I've, time. And I will, I will never forget the day that we sat in your, in your principal office at JG Brackenridge Elementary School and just started going back and forth on like, how do we how do we deepen our engagement in the San Antonio community to inform them of what's happening at JT Brackenridge and in the west side of San Antonio? 
and inform them in a way where they can easily and seamlessly plug in um, on a school level and understand that in this in this work, everyone should be involved and we're all we're all doing you know the best we can to support our community yeah. no matter what the the conversation or the work but all of us as individuals we got to where we are because of the teachers because of the mentors and role yeah. models and so why not invest in your neighborhood school and if you're not sure how just ask. Just ask. That's all you got to do. Just ask somebody. There, yes. And, if and, you don't have a somebody to ask, ask me. Yes. Ask uh, Scott. Yes. I am happy. <laughs> I am happy to help uh, in any way if, and that, I mean, that's what I do now. I and mean, you're on social media. Is it okay for people to find you on social media? Of, cor- or is of it? course. Okay. Yeah. I, I am, uh, I'm, anyone is more than welcome to um, follow me on social media or or reach out um, if we can, you know, if I can be, you know, a resource or, or a thought partner, because this is, I mean, this is what I do every single day now in Nashville is share the story of a school district, a community college, a technical college, and how do we, how do we align together to better help more students be set up for success in life and their career? And, you know, because we're all in this together, who cares where the best practice comes from if it's amen yeah like i mean if you're doing it right i mean just tell me san antonio i'll do it because you only you only again like i said you only know what you know and so if we are open and transparent that here's what worked really well i would encourage you in this you know partnership to do this over and over but here's also where our blind spots were and where we messed up then we all learn from each other. And that's that's what everyone's doing in public ed. We want to right. build lifelong learners. That's the whole point. So let's do that as, yeah, as, as adults. adults. So if I can be helpful to, you know, the audience of, you know, even like Scott, I don't know how to get involved with my neighborhood school district. So where do people find you? Um, on on LinkedIn. On, there you go. Scott yeah, Meltzer. Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn, Scott Meltzer, um, set to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but feel free to, to reach out if I can be helpful. And of course I know Jen's contact info as well. So if it's makes better sense to have, um, a San Antonio contact, but I will, you know, do the best that I can to help someone who says I'm trying to get involved in X direct them the right way. And if I don't know the answer, I know great people in San Antonio will help me figure (laughs) that out. Well, thank you for being here, Scott. Thank you, Jen. It has been a love joy. You. I love it has you. been so much fun and um, all the best yes, to thank the next you. season. I can't wait. Of Miseducation. Yay. Thank you. I'm Jen Maestas, and you're listening to Miseducation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.